Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Let's go ahead and turn in the Word to Romans 1 if you're not there already. As it's going to contain a lot of bad news. The last three weeks we've been in the Word of Romans, we have covered 17 verses of an introduction. God had called the Roman church to salvation and the Apostle Paul who's writing it to salvation. Paul had never visited the Roman church and he is writing to them to explain his gospel and get them on board with his future, hopefully, missionary journey. So last week we saw righteousness of God revealed and experienced by faith in Jesus. Now we're going to turn to the bad news, the breaking bad. Why does one need the good news? Why does one need the gospel? So let's start by fleshing out the details. You ready for this? Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Last week we saw the gospel revealed the righteousness of God and the saving power of God and a right standing clothed in Jesus. Now Paul says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. How is the wrath of God revealed from heaven? Well, you can say, well, people reap what they sow. They sow sin, they reap it. Some say, well, look at acts of nature, you know, the hurricanes or tsunamis. That is the wrath of God being displayed. So there's a lot of ways that people can talk about the way the wrath of God is being displayed. But have you ever thought about this? The wrath of God can be displayed in the preaching of the cross of Jesus. We have the righteousness of God revealed in the gospel, the preaching of the cross, that you can be clothed in righteousness through his death and resurrection. But have you ever thought about on the cross, the wrath of God is revealed because the wrath of God is being poured upon Jesus instead of sinners, right? So we could say the wrath of God is revealed in the gospel and the preaching of the cross, just as the righteousness of God is also revealed in the cross. So the cross is all about wrath and love combined together. Well, look once again at verse 18. So this is a kind of a header and a summary for the whole section up until Romans 3.20. It's like the reality of God's existence and ways are clearly evident to sinful humanity, but it says that sinful humanity, did you notice this in verse 18, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So God's existence and truth are known to all of humanity, but humanity suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. I heard it like this. It's like a beach ball. You ever take a beach ball to the pool and kids are hitting it around? But if you ever take that beach ball and you submerge it underwater and you, or you sit on it or you stand on it or you lay on it, you suppress it under, right? And that's what humanity has done with the reality of God and his existence. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We suppress his 
reality of his existence and his truth. And all of us are guilty of suppressing the truth. All of us are guilty of sin. Romans 3.10, 12 and 23 concurs. I'll put this up for you. He says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This may be shocking to you, but in God's sight, there are no good people. In God's sight, there are no good people. Of course, Jesus, perfect, but no one else. So the Bible tells us that God is fully just and pouring out his wrath on all humanity. His wrath is aimed at Jews and Gentiles. You see, 19 through 32 in chapter 1 is going to cover Gentiles. And it's going to get the Jew nodding their head, go, yes, those Gentiles deserve it. But then we're going to go into chapter 2, and that condemnation and the wrath is also for the Jews. So the Gentiles, you could say, are breaking bad, and the Jews are breaking good, and they're righteous keeping, and yet they're still deserving of God's wrath. Now, look, if anybody ever comes up to you and say, I don't know what I think about all this wrath stuff. Wrath is just reserved for Hitler or, or wrath is just for terrorists. No, wrath is for all of humanity. And I know people leave churches because they believe that we should not be teaching and preaching the wrath and anger of God. Many believe that it's not in the Bible. I'm not sure what Bible they're reading because we're seeing right here the wrath of God is revealed. All right, now, let me get you organized, okay? We're going to talk about how people, instead of following God, have followed their own sinful ways. We're going to call this the great exchange. They've exchanged God for sinfulness, idolatry. And then we're going to see the consequences of the great exchange, all right? So you're with me so far, all right? We're going to talk about the great exchange, and then we're going to see the consequences of the great exchange, making sure that we're organized. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. The most controversial thing that I'm going to say this day has nothing to do with homosexuality. We'll get there. That's not going to be the most controversial thing I'm going to say this day. What I'm about to say is the most controversial thing that I'm going to say. And people who get up in arms about homosexuality should really freak out what I'm about to say. And it's this. These verses explain that all of humanity has enough revelation of God to condemn them. The person who's never heard of Jesus has enough revelation from God to condemn them. Whether they are in America or somewhere else, if never heard, they still have enough revelation from God to condemn them according to the Bible. You're like, well, that's not fair. It's not fair. Why does, why does God do that? Why does God save any of us? 
So Godly has plainly revealed knowledge of himself, and it says through all creation. Did you see it in verse 20? It says, being understood through what has been made. Through what has been made, there is revealed a God who is divine and eternally powerful. So you see a towering mountain. You're supposed to think there is a creator God. When you observe a beautiful sunset, something inside of you says there is a creator God. Or you, or you walk along the lake or you go on vacation and you're at the ocean and you go, there is a creator God. All of humanity knows there is a God through what has been created. Thomas Schreiner, who is a professor at Southern Seminary, says, God has stitched into the fabric of the human mind his existence and power so that they are instinctively recognized when one views the created world. So through this natural revelation of the created world, people know there is a creator. So what's the big deal? So if they know there's a creator, so why don't they do anything about it? It's because they suppress the truth. They take the, uh, the beach ball of truth and they push it under. But according to the word of God, there are no such things as atheists. There's no such things as agnostics. And when people claim to be an atheist or agnostic, they're just taking the truth of God and they're pushing it underwater. They're suppressing the truth. They see a sunset and something pops up in their head. Maybe there's a God. They push it under. They go out and look at the creation. They push it under. They go, no, it's, it's not true. Or when someone close to them dies, they may think to themselves, what, what's next? What happens? Maybe there is a God. Suppress the truth. Or when an atheist or agnostic wants to make a moral claim based upon what? The suppressing the truth. All of humanity is guilty and without excuse before a holy God. Verse 21. It says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds, and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So the right response to the revelation of God and his eternal power and deity should be, according to the word here, we should honor him and give thanks to him. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the worship. He deserves thankfulness for he alone is God. But instead... Our reasoning became pointless and futile thinking. Foolish hearts were darkened and what seemed like wisdom became utter foolishness as the glory of the mortal God was exchanged for corruptible idols. Did you see that there? We exchanged them. We took God and we said, no, no, get him behind us and now we'll take on an idol a creature. Rather than worshiping God, we worship the creation. Think about it this way. We're up high. We should be worshiping God. But what does man do? Man brings their eyes down. We start to worship images in the form of man. And we go any lower to birds. And then we go even lower to animals. And we go even lower to reptiles. So instead of worshiping God, we're stooping down and we're worshiping in our idolatry created things. And you're thinking, no, I don't do that. I don't have statues at my home. 
I don't worship idols. And yet idols can be things like money. <laughs> it could be like sex or power or anything else besides God. Let me give you a picture of the, of the great exchange, all right? You ready for this? I have four sons. When one of my sons had their tonsils, six years old, had his tonsils and his adenoids taken out. He, he, he would call them, I'm getting my tonsils and my androids taken out. So when he got these taken out, I don't know if you have kids, but man, when they have surgery and they're six, the nights can be miserable. He would scream and wail after a surgery in so much pain. And my wife would come along and she would try to comfort him and console him and rub his back and say, it's okay. And he would just keep screaming. And then after a couple hours, he finally fall asleep and then wake up. And my wife would have to go to him again to calm him down. And I'm thinking, forget this. We need to sleep. That boy needs to quit screaming. It's not working with you going over there and comforting him. So I had a better plan. I took an iPad. He loves iPads. I said, all right, here you go. Just play on the iPad. I don't care. And he would just start playing on the iPad. No more screaming, by the way. And he would play on the iPad until he fell back asleep. The great exchange had taken place. <laughs> right? He could have comfort, a living mom who loves him, or an iPad. And the iPad is what he chose. This is the great exchange that we have done. We have the living God who cares for us, who loves us, who only wants the best for us. We exchanged him for things of the created order, things that we want to worship instead. And we say, God, you're not helping. You can't fix us. We're going to go this direction. The great exchange. Now, my brothers and sisters, do you think there are consequences when we make this great exchange? The answer would be yes. You've lived them perfectly in the past. Some of you are living them right now. But there's also consequences that we see in our culture, in our world, due to this great exchange. Let's look at some of these consequences of idol worship. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged, there it is again, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So they made this exchange, the truth of God for a lie. And you will notice in verse 24 that says, God gave them over. Look at verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over. Look at also at verse 28. God gave them over. What does that mean? It means this. You want to go in that direction? Have at it. You want to go full-blown into that sin? Have at it. Go ahead. God gave them over. And I think God giving people over to their sins is a form of his wrath being revealed. And what are the consequences for people who fully go for it? They're immersed in their sin, and there's this cycle of their sin. And I wonder why God gives people over to their sin. Well, maybe it's to one day wake them up. Say, okay, you want to live that way? Go for it. 
And in this context here, those caught up in the great exchange also often make sex an idol. And here we go with some sexual degradation. Verse 24, so God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, so their bodies would be dishonored among them. So their hearts are set on this sex idol. You see that lust of their hearts. So God let them loose to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And today's songs and music, if you're paying attention at all, often about getting down and dirty or celebrated some of the chart toppers, what's going on, it's God's example of handing people over. You're thinking, well, this is the worst it's ever been. Your parents probably said that too. It seems like it's keep getting worse and worse, right? God is handing people over over, steeped in their sin. It's like the hookup culture is cool until it's not. It's like people go down the road, I'm going to explore sexuality and I'm just going to go for it. How's that working for you? Continue verse 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burn in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. I mean, it's no, it's no surprise to us that God created marriage. It says in the word for a, for a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, and it's described here as natural function or the natural relations. Well, the great exchange has taken here, place in this description where the natural relations between a man and a woman in marriage are swapped for homosexual relations that are, it says clearly, contrary to nature. They are contrary to nature because that's not the way God set it up in creation and since many men and women gave up natural relations, it says very specific, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Where women are with women and men are consumed with passion for their men. And these shameless acts of homosexuality lead to receiving the penalty of more punishment, which keeps them further in their cycle of their sin. I, I do realize that in, in our culture, it's very shocking to say that homosexuality is, is sin because we have kids, you may be steeped in this sin. You have siblings or maybe your parents, the people that you know, all of us probably know people who are steeped in this sin. And for us to say that is against God's ways. It just seems so contrary to our culture today. But it was also contrary during the Roman culture too who championed homosexual relationships. And the culture in America, and you know we see it, it's, it's got this um, spiraling more and more into sexual deviancy on a daily ba basis where the culture is setting up the sexual norms and they're always changing. There's a very popular show where it seems like every other episode is highlighting and champion some form of sexual immorality or deviancy. So you'll have a show where people are committing premarital sex 
and they have no problem, it's not being condemned at all, or you'll have a show that's championing uh, homosexual, lesbians and homosexual men with, with one another, and it's no problem. It's like, hi- they even had a show on this one show highlighting the rights of sex workers. I mean, there was, there was a whole show on that. But recently, as of last week, they had a show and all these characters who are homosexual or living outside of marriage, a lot of crazy, all these characters who are living in sexual sin, they put their foot down due to one sexual sin. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? They have selective moral outrage on one sexual sin. They let all this other stuff happen, have no problem, but this recent episode, selective moral outrage on one sin. I'm sure you can guess what it was. It it was the sin of pedophilia, right? So all the characters are like, oh, this is so terrible. Selective moral outrage. This is horrible. Can't believe this is going on. And that's what the show was last week. But my brothers and sisters... Hear me now, and I'm not being prophetic. I'm just telling you where I think we're headed. In a few years, people are going to have no problem with that. From what I've been seeing on social media, what scientists are trying to study and make up stuff, we're headed there. Other parts of the world are already there. We're going there too. And so we'll have a show a few years from now where they're going to be rubber stamping and saying, pedophilia, that's the way to go. If that's what you feel like, it's great. Who who are we harming? And you think, well, why is that happening? Because with sexual sin in particular, there is this spiraling downward. It's like it's a new thing upon a new thing upon a new thing that seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. It's like the man, and this may be convicting some of you men in here, and if it's you, we can talk about this. It's like a man going to pornography on the Internet, and that's not enough. He's got to go to the internet and look at pornography that includes rape scenes or abuse. Why? Because the sexual sin keeps spiraling and spiraling and worse and worse and worse. Because God has given people over. They suppress the truth. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. And that which is sin, they call good. But lest we be those who want to have selective moral outrage over homosexuality, let me introduce you to the following verses. Let's keep going. Verse 29. Hmm. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Now, I thought about looking up a story that happened just this week for each of these sins. Because you could find one. You could go online or just, if you still read the newspaper, you could find a story that matches each one of these sins. And to make it even more fun, why don't you go back and review your life? Chances are you can find a story from your life where you have participated in most of these sins. The point is we are guilty 
of breaking God's law, and we don't want to be those who have a selective moral outrage, right? It's, it's like the person who is railing on gay marriage while at the same time they are committing adultery and going through a divorce. That's why we want to say God is against sin, all sin. Rather than standing up here looking down at other people, we'll say we are guilty, we are slanderers, we are gossips, we are liars, and we need salvation. Verse 32. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now I want you to make sure you get this. This verse is saying that the people, they're not only doing wrong, they're continuing to affirm those who are doing wrong. And this is where churches must be very careful that we are not affirming sin. We don't want to say yes. And that's what a lot of churches across the country are doing right now. They're, they're not just saying, come in, we welcome all of you. They're saying, come in, we welcome you, and we affirm your sin. That is violating verse 32. It's like, and I just saw that this, this week, okay? This week at a church. I mean, stay off social media, okay? This week at a church, there was a time during the children's sermon, okay? So kids are up on the front. You know the children's sermon. And the, the pastor was homosexual. During the children's, he's homosexual. And he was interviewed in um, a transvestite during the children's sermon. And they were trying to teach them about Romans 12, about having your mind renewed. I about lost it. You see what I'm saying? So they're saying they're going to twist scripture and then they're going to affirm sin. And that's what happens when God hands people over. They go full-blown to their sin. They even mix religion with it. Who will rescue us? from this wickedness out there? Who will rescue us from the wickedness in here? Well, brothers and sisters, the good news is that your heart has broken bad, but there is hope. There is hope to be rescued from the wrath of God. And you may say, well, where's the hope? I've sinned way too much. What, what do I do? My brothers and sisters, I was reading this book and I want to share this quote to you and it's this. The gospel only sounds good to a heart that knows it is bad. <laughs> All this talk about Jesus and forgiveness and the cross and death, resurrection, ascension, the right hand of the Father, none of that stuff's going to sound good to you unless you know that you're bad that you need forgiveness, that you need grace. And the good news is, on the cross, wrath was poured out on Jesus in your place. And if we want to talk about a great exchange, 
not only did humans exchange the truth of God for a lie, but get this, on the cross, God made the great exchange. He put the sin of you and me on Jesus. And the exchange is he gave us the righteousness of Christ. That is the greatest exchange ever that should make us worship and praise him. And all can have that through faith in Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way guided by God's Word.